This is a podcast from the Business Times. Utilities like electricity and water, bus and train fares, and even postage stamps are all soon going to cost more. This is bad news for consumers, of course, but why are these costs rising now, and what does it mean for investors? Should we get excited about some of the companies that stand to benefit from these price increases, such as Comfort Delgro, SBS Transit, and Singapore Post? Or should we be wary of a resurgence in inflation and consequently further monetary policy tightening? Have the odds of a recession and a slump in corporate profitability suddenly increased? Hello, everybody. Welcome to the BT Mark to Market podcast. My name is Ben Paul, and I'm a senior correspondent at The Business Times. This series of podcasts, which is based on my weekly column in The Business Times, aims to provide analysis and insight on market trends and corporate issues in Singapore. We're in the month of October 2023, and I have to confess that I'm easily spooked at this time of the year, and not just because Halloween is around the corner. It's just that I can't help associating this time of the year with financial market turmoil. This is often a period when an accumulation of bad news gives way to full-blown panic. But why exactly should we be nervous about the markets in October 2023? The short answer is that analysts and investors are realizing that interest rates may have to stay higher for longer than they originally expected in order to properly tame inflation. On top of that, oil prices have surged recently, creating fears of a possible resurgence in inflation. In fact, among the reasons cited for hikes in water tariffs and transport fares in Singapore is that energy costs have risen. Now, I'll come back to the issue of higher costs in Singapore and other countries in the region later in this podcast, but let's first look at the big picture of inflation and interest rates. If you've been following the Mark to Market column and podcast series, you'll probably be aware that I've been generally bearish since the US Federal Reserve and other major central banks around the world began tightening monetary policy early last year to address a surge in inflation to levels not seen in decades, which had been partly triggered by a surge in oil prices as tensions between Russia and Ukraine turned into a military conflict. Now, because inflation had surged so strongly, and interest rates were rising so quickly, I was really concerned that stocks would suffer a big sell-off. And I wasn't completely wrong. The S&P 500, which started 2022 at more than 4,766, sank as low as 3,583 in October last year. That was a decline of about 25%. At the point when the S&P 500 was hitting those lows, the Fed was pushing interest rates up by 75 basis points each time and plainly indicating that there were more hikes to come. And 10-year US Treasury yields had climbed above 4.2%. The fact that all of this was happening in the month of October just made me even more concerned that things would quickly get worse. But this is where I was wrong. As it happened, the nervousness soon passed. Oil prices had peaked out in the middle of last year, taking some pressure off inflation in the months that followed. And with the high base effect, headline CPI inflation in the US continued coming down this year. The result was renewed confidence in the market that it would only be a matter of time before interest rates would peak. Reflecting this shift in sentiment, the 10-year bond yield rolled back to about 3.4% early this year, and the S&P 500 rebounded strongly. Since the beginning of this year, up until the end of last week, that benchmark stock index has delivered a total return of more than 13%. 
To give you a sense of the kind of stocks that led that advance, the best performing component of the index this year is NVIDIA, the chip maker widely seen to be riding the artificial intelligence revolution, with a total return of nearly 200%. In second place is Meta Platforms, better known as Facebook, with a total return of nearly 150%. Right behind it is Tesla, with a total return of more than 100%. So why are investors running for cover now? After all, the Fed has slowed the pace of its interest rate increases. In fact, the Fed is now intermittently pausing its rate hikes. It paused at its June meeting and again at its most recent meeting in September. Well, as I said earlier, one concern is that oil prices have started rising again, driven by generally strong demand, as well as supply restrictions by some of the world's biggest oil producers. And this could have negative implications for inflation. The U.S. Consumer Price Index for August was up 3.7% over the preceding 12 months. This was a vast improvement compared to the peak of more than 9% in the middle of last year, though it was higher than the preceding month's rise of 3.2%. But if you look at the U.S. CPI in August versus the previous month, it was up 0.6%. This was a marked increase from July and June's month-on-month increases of 0.2%, and May's month-on-month increase of 0.1%. The main driver of this was the energy component of the CPI, which increased 5.6% month-on-month in August. Within the energy component, the gasoline component was up 10.6% month-on-month. Now, this increase in the price of oil is just one problem. Another problem is that economic activity in the US and around the world has been more resilient than expected in the face of tightening monetary policy. It is when economic activity is robust that higher costs are able to quickly ripple across the whole system. Companies willingly accept higher costs from their suppliers because they are confident of being able to pass these on to their customers and so on across the whole economy. In order to bring inflation under control, the Fed and other central banks need to engineer a period of significantly slower economic growth and higher unemployment. Yet, even as it aggressively pushed interest rates up over the past year, the Fed has been surprised by the resilience of the US economy and the tightness of the labor market and has adjusted its projections for growth, unemployment, and the terminal rate for its federal funds rate to reflect this. The Fed's latest summary of economic projections, which reflects the views of participants at the Federal Open Market Committee meeting last month, puts US GDP growth at 2.1% for 2023 and 1.5% for 2024. This is sharply higher than their forecast in June, when the median projection of US GDP growth was only 1% for 2023 and 1.1% for 2024. For U.S. unemployment, the latest median projection was 3.8% by end 2023 and 4.1% by end 2024. This is lower than in June when their median projection for unemployment was 4.1% for 2023 and 4.5% for 2024. Why has the U.S. economy been so resilient? Well, this is something of a puzzle, but one theory is that pent-up demand fueled by savings accumulated during the pandemic has been blunting the impact of higher interest rates on some economic sectors. Some analysts have referred to this as a rolling recession, where downsizing and layoffs affect only some sectors at a time. For instance, higher interest rates have done nothing to stop people from traveling after being cooped up at home during the pandemic. 
In fact, among the 20 best-performing components of the S&P 500 this year were a number of travel and leisure-related stocks, such as cruise companies Royal Caribbean and Carnival, home-sharing platform Airbnb, and travel fare aggregator Booking Holdings. Whatever the reason for the economic resilience, the result of this is that the Fed may have to keep interest rates higher for longer in order to bring inflation down. The Fed's latest summary of economic projections puts the median federal funds rate by the end of this year at 5.6%, which suggests one further 25 basis point hike. This is unchanged from the projections in June, but the latest median projection for the federal funds rate by the end of 2024 is now 5.1%, up from a median projection of 4.6% in June. This indication that rates may stay higher for longer appears to be having quite a negative impact on the market. Just before this podcast recording, the 10-year Treasury yield had climbed above 4.8%, which is much higher than it was amid all the nervousness in the market in October last year. Meanwhile, since the Fed meeting two weeks ago, the S&P 500 has fallen more than 4%. So will the rest of October be just as scary for investors? Or will the fear and skittishness quickly subside? And what exactly do rising costs and an extended period of tight monetary policy mean for markets closer to home? I'm going to talk about that next. Break down useful financial tips with money hacks from the Business Times with correspondent Howie Lim. Every first and third Monday of the month, go to bt.sg podcasts to download. And now... Back to Mark to Market from the Business Times. Earlier in this podcast, I mentioned that NVIDIA has been the best performing component of the S&P 500 this year. But do you know what the best performing component of that benchmark index was since the beginning of 2022, when soaring inflation sparked the rapid tightening of monetary policy around the world? Here's a hint. It wasn't NVIDIA or any other tech stock. It was a company called Constellation Energy. Its shares delivered a total return of 165% since the beginning of 2022 versus the S&P 500's total return of minus 7.4%. With generally strong oil prices through 2022 and 2023, many of the best-performing stocks during the period were energy-related plays, such as Occidental Petroleum, ExxonMobil, and Schlumberger. In fact, only two of the 10 best-performing S&P 500 stocks during the period were not energy-related counters, and neither of them was NVIDIA. NVIDIA was not even among the top 30 best performers during the period. It was actually number 32, with a total return of just over 48%. The reason NVIDIA didn't perform all that well over the period is because, like most growth-oriented technology stocks, it suffered a big sell-off in 2022 as interest rates were rising. Market watchers sometimes call these tech stocks the ultimate long-duration assets, and they're very sensitive to interest rates. In fact, it was technology stocks like NVIDIA that pushed the S&P 500 index down to the lows it hit in October last year. And the rebound in many of these tech stocks is what helped pull the index up off those lows and powered its gains earlier this year. By contrast, if you look at the share price trajectories of many of the energy stocks that have performed strongly since the beginning of 2022, you will find they were relatively less affected by tightening monetary policy and the swings in bond yields that we have seen over the last several months. My point in all of this is that it's important for investors to keep the big picture in mind. 
Ever since the Fed and other central banks began tightening monetary policy in early 2022, many investors have been preoccupied with trying to figure out when the tightening cycle will end. This has led to rallies and corrections in interest rate-sensitive segments of the market. But segments of the market that are benefiting from inflationary impulses, such as energy stocks, have performed quite steadily. Now, some of these trends have been mirrored in the Singapore market. Singapore doesn't have big growth-oriented tech stocks, but its real estate investment trusts are very sensitive to interest rate movements, and they sold off heavily in September and October last year, before rebounding when bond yields pulled back. On the other hand, energy-related stocks in Singapore, such as Keppel Corp and Semcorp Industries, did not really dip much in October last year, and they've been among the best-performing components of the Straits Times Index since the beginning of 2022 though a good part of that performance also reflects their big value unlocking moves that I've talked about before. Keppel Corp delivered a total return of 125.5%, while Semcorp Industries returned 167.6%. The STI's total return since the beginning of 2022 was 12%, significantly better than the S&P 500's return of minus 7.4%. But for many investors looking at the market in Singapore and around the region, inflation is a macroeconomic story more than anything else. This brings me to the matter of cost increases in Singapore that I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. Higher prices for utilities and transport fares will naturally benefit the providers of these goods and services. But there are only a small handful of listed companies exposed to these sectors, and the extent to which those companies will benefit from the price increases is actually not that significant. Even Singapore Post, which announced recently that it will raise the postage rate for standard regular mail by more than 60%, might not see much improvement in its overall profitability because it has a host of other businesses and also because demand for its traditional postal services has been in a steep decline. In fact, SingPost said in its most recent annual report that its mail volumes had declined by more than 40% from FY 2019 to FY 2023. What's more important, in my view, is that Singapore is evidently very cautious about the impact that increases in prices for essential goods and services might have on the wider economy. For instance, the overall 7% increase in public transport fares that will be implemented in December this year is actually well below the maximum allowable fare increase of 22.6%, which comprised a 12 percentage point increase under the current fare formula and a 10.6 percentage point increase rolled over from last year. The Public Transport Council said it will defer the remaining 15.6 percentage points to future fare review exercises. And to cover the deferred fare adjustment, it has asked the government for an additional subsidy of $300 million. The government provides more than $2 billion in operating subsidies annually across the bus and train sectors. Now, I'm not arguing against these subsidies. My purpose in highlighting them is to point out how they insulate consumers and the economy from higher costs. In fact, expenditure on public transport as a percentage of income among lower-income households in Singapore has declined since 2013. Now, Singapore is not alone in using subsidies to shield its economy from some rising costs. My colleagues at the Business Times recently produced a very interesting story about the potential impact of rising oil prices on economies around the region, which suggested that subsidies and retail price controls are a differentiating factor of sorts. 
The report cited research by Nomura, which noted that most Asian economies are net oil importers and that the impact of higher oil prices on inflation in some of these countries could be blunted by these subsidies and price controls. This could reduce the need to tighten monetary policy. Of course, even if countries have such subsidies in place, higher oil prices would still adversely affect their current account and fiscal balances and possibly result in currency depreciation pressures. So having strong current account and fiscal positions are crucial right now for countries in the region. Which countries are at risk? Nomura said the Philippines appears to be most vulnerable because of its lack of fuel subsidies and the fact that it has been running a current account deficit. At the other end of the spectrum are countries such as Indonesia, Malaysia and Singapore, according to Nomura, as they have current account surpluses and sufficient fiscal space for fuel subsidies. The point I'm making here is that it is the macroeconomic impact of higher oil prices that could be important for investors looking at Asian markets in the months ahead. So what's next for global stocks? The only thing I'm certain about in the short term is that there is probably going to be a lot of volatility in the market. Big sell-offs in stocks are often followed by short-term rebounds, and surges in bond yields are often immediately followed by pullbacks. But over the longer term, my view is fundamentally unchanged from episode 31 of this podcast series, Sell in May and Go Away. Many investors have been trying to look past the current monetary policy tightening cycle, forgetting that the whole point of the tightening is to reduce inflation by reducing economic growth and letting unemployment rise. The resilience of the US economy, underscored by the Fed's stronger projections for GDP growth in 2023 and 2024, suggests to me that monetary policy will remain tight for some time, or even be tightened further. In the meantime, any additional inflationary impulse could add to the sense of nervousness in the US market as well as in markets in this region. Some investors with a long-term perspective may see this as an opportune time to hunt for bargains. But I would tread carefully because we might yet see higher long-term bond yields and lower levels for some key stock market benchmarks. That's it for this episode of Mark to Market. I'm Senior Correspondent Ben Paul at The Business Times. This is a podcast by The Business Times. Find more BT podcasts at businesstimes.com.sg slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.